listening to Cinema Spin. Hello, everybody. I am Matt. And I'm Jason. And welcome to another brand new episode of Cinema Spin. Brand spanking new episode of Cinema Spin. Jason, I'm sad. <laughs> You're sad, Matt? Tell yeah. me why. Oh, it just seems like, uh, you know, we, we had to take a, that, uh, we had to miss some of our uploads because we were sick. Yes. There, there's been chaos. It's kind of taken month. its toll in our numbers, and it's just like, I thought, oh. I, you know, I thought we were getting, making progress as far as, oh. you know, growing, and now it feels like we've had a setback. Oh, no. And what sucks about it is, you know, it's really, what was the alternative? Yeah. You know, it's not like we slacked off. We were Right, sick. right, right. It wasn't our and fault. it's serious business right it's now. Serious, right. It's serious business. And it's a time of year when people, you know like me, are taking vacations and, you know, sure. it's also the cold and flu season and the COVID season and so on, right? You know, you know and, so. you know, I, I, mean, I guess it, it should be noted that we're not exactly reviewing blockbusters here either. That's true. <laughs> it's been really tough to come by uh, popular movies. Uh, you know, I think uh, the Spider-Man movie was the last, you know, sort of Yeah, kind of the last hurrah of the, uh, right. the year. What hurts even more is... That uh, our constituency, our, our listenership, uh, consists largely of our friends and family. And when you lose a big chunk of them, well, it's like your family is is saying, mm, no thanks. Yeah, it's like a personal rejection. It's personal. It's entirely <laughs> personal, right? Yeah, definitely. So um, if you're, hey, if you're out there and you're still listening, good for you. You're a stalwart. You're hanging in there. Um, if you're out there and you're not listening, well somebody who is listening is going to have to pass a message on, but we're, we're going to, we're going to try to uh, recommit to getting everything done on Sunday nights and getting the uploads on time. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always our intention. You yes. Know? I mean, we live normal lives like everybody, so it's not going to be perfect. That's true. But hopefully if we have a reason to um, not meet that, we'll have, be able to announce it ahead of time. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Right. And of course, so uh, we'll try to put that. If if there would be anything that would be last minute, we'll try to put a message on some of our social media. Yeah, right. Because we're just you know we're relentless about about posting on social media. Yes, so our, uh, we are all over social media, <laughs> and by all over social media, I mean I tweet once a week uh, to promote the uh, when the podcast comes out. Drops. So just a little bit less often than you uh, post your Wordle results. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like uh, most. Like most Americans, <laughs> I am addicted to Wordle, but luckily it's only once a day. I think that kind of sucks. I, I, I could do Wordle. I could do a few more. Two, two a day would be. Yeah, good. right. Yeah, exactly. But you then know. we'd all be hooked, right? It, it would be like opiates. But uh, let's get to our first review, I suppose. Okay. Tell us about it. Okay. Well, we are uh, catching up with, uh, like we said, uh, the movies, the new movies that are coming out every week uh, are not necessarily things that ter- that excite us, but we are catching up now on some uh, some critically acclaimed movies from 2021, the kinds of movies that you're going to be hear- hearing more and more about as people, as critics make up their top 10 lists and as uh, the awards go on and so on. And the movie we caught up to this week uh, is a movie called Coda from 2021. So um, Coda... Uh, C-O-D-A, uh, is an acronym, acronym meaning uh, Children of Deaf Adults. And uh, it, it, the movie is, in the very in broad strokes, a, a pretty standard coming-of-age story. A teenager named Ruby is torn between her passion for singing and her obligations to her family, and ultimately has to decide if her life is going to be spent fulfilling her duties to her tribe or to herself. The twist here is that Ruby's parents and older brother are deaf. And the family fishing business, this takes place in Gloucester, Massachusetts, where 
fishing as life. Uh, the family fishing business is under fire from local bureau, uh, local bureaucrats. Um, and uh, so in addition to the normal pressures put on teenagers, Ruby is needed by her parents to translate for them through these difficult times. So her dreams of going to college couldn't come at a worse time. All of this makes Coda sound like it's a deadly serious issue movie. Um, and for this reason, frankly, earlier this year, I kind of avoided it. I heard, uh, you know, ch ch children of deaf adults, and I thought this was going to be, uh, you know, a very serious sort of homework Oscar-y movie. Um, maybe with some self-righteous grandstanding about how we treat disabled people as, uh, we, we treat disabled people as second-class citizens and so on. Um but that is not this movie. Instead, here we have a, a charming, moving, um, above all, very, very funny movie about an offbeat family full of eccentric characters who are meant to stand, who are not meant to stand for in for anything or represent any larger issue. Um, they're just people leaving, leading very specific lives with specific problems uh, who don't have any magical answers. Uh, so they make mistakes and they bicker and, and it all makes for a really wonderful movie about family, fishing, music, first loves, and occasionally the struggles of being deaf. Um, so phrases like heartwarming and crowd pleaser come to mind, but all of that makes us feel like it's sort of a light and disposable kind of movie. Um, instead, it's enormously well written and well acted. And, and uh, when I look back on the movies of 2021, and remember this one, it's going to make me smile. Um, if you're uh, time and again, I'm asked, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm asked by people I I'm known as my, my social groups as sort of the movie guy. And so people are coming up to me a lot. They hear a lot about movies, a lot, a lot of movies that have dropped on, on streaming or whatever. And they say, uh, Hey, what should I be watching? What should I be watching? Right. Um, and uh, my answer now is Coda. Um, if you're listening to this, stop what you're doing, get a free trial on Apple TV and see this movie. You're going to love it. Wow. That was pretty clear. There you go. <laughs> um, where I think this movie has another disservice thrown at it, as much as you thought it, you feared it would be serious and maybe overly self-righteous. Mm -hmm. I think the trailer, the way it's cut kind of makes it almost seem like something Selena, D Selena Gomez from Disney would be. Yeah, exactly. You, you, uh, you pointed the trailer out to me earlier this week and said, is this what we want to watch? <laughs> and I watched about half of it and I'm like, no, 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 no. This makes it seem like it's a, a, for young adults. Well, right. Well, so, well, the movie was on my radar cause I saw it on some people's best of lists yeah. and, and you know, it's nominated for a uh, uh, critics choice award. Yeah. You know? So I kind of went through and reviewed what all these movies are about and saw, you know, kind of basically seeing what their potential for our show would be. Yeah. Well, after watching that trailer, I sort of deemed it not very Jason-y. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, about uh, about 10 seconds of that trailer, I thought this isn't very Jason-y, but, I, but I, had, I had heard other reviews. So when it came time to watch this, I had a, a deal of uh, skepticism in yeah. me. Yeah, And um, slowly away, the movie just so charming it just chipped away all of yeah it. yeah 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 um yeah this is a this is a pretty good movie it's uh the characters are just uh where in a, in, in a lesser movie they'd be very underwritten and very stereotypical of about yeah. ten thousand other movies mm -hmm. but they seem real here yeah um, yeah and, and you know there's there's the the deafness of the characters does sort of ground them, I think, and make them seem more realistic. Yeah, but it's it's always 
just presented as one aspect of this family, right? Right. The the movie isn't. I mean, the movie isn't really about them being deaf. It's really just about the the weird kind of weird dynamics of this weird and and sort of very entertaining dynamics of this family, right? And and of course, it does put an extra layer of pressure on on uh, on on young Ruby. Um, because she is kind of the linchpin. She's the sort of interpreter for her uh, uh, for her family to be able to to, to get along. It's right? a completely unfair amount of pressure. I mean, well, sure, right? Yes. Oh, that's just what. And <laughs> that's the central thing about this movie that just drives it. It's 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 so essential that she help her family, but it's so unfair that she right? has to and, even. And one of the things that I really love about this is that um, her her parents. Who are deaf? Uh, play, played by uh, 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 Mary Madeline and uh, uh, who's her husband? Uh, Troy uh, Katzer, right? Uh, actual deaf Americans. Um, they. Uh, it's so easy to present people with different abilities and dis- disabilities in movies as sort of saints, right? As, right. As these people who, um, you know, who sort of suffer nobly and everything, and. Uh, they're not presented as that. They're, no, you're right. They're not perfect. Particularly, her mother um, is is selfish, and, yeah, and she... they all take her for granted. They they take Ruby's ability to translate for them for granted. Her mother only sees kind of Ruby's future in terms of her own future, and everybody is, and they all just assume that. Why would anybody want to leave this life of getting up at 3 a.m. to go fishing every morning in Gloucester, right? <laughs> right. Um, and so they, it never even occurs to them that she might be leaving them, right? And um, yeah, and and so and and that's very typical of of small town uh, of small town uh, uh, family life. A thing this movie does that that I thought was interesting is it you know there's some scenes later on in the movie when uh, the parents go see her do her musical act or yeah. whatever. And, um, you know, obviously they're in this crowd and, and you know, they're deaf, so they can't hear the music. Yeah. And they kind of, there's one point where the movie kind of pulls back and shows kind of their point of view. Right. And they're far enough back to where they, you know, can't really see, they can see her emotion or whatever, but they're far enough back where they really can't mm-hmm. totally see her emoting. Right, yeah. And uh, you kind of see for a second, wow, they... I mean, this is what it's like. Right. You kind of don't get music in a way. Right. The the audio drops out, and you yeah. see the whole the whole crowd reacting to Ruby well, singing. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's yeah. what that's what I'm going for. Is is the fact that at first you kind of see that the you kind of think the point they're making is, wow, they just can't. How are they ever going to identify with this? Mm-hmm. But then they look around and see how this music is affecting the other people in the crowd. Right. And sort of that's the way they can see it. You know? Right, right. They can see the, that that girl's crying because of their daughter's song. And right. The other people are moving to the music and being affected by it. Right. So, and I mean, and that's that's universal. I mean, you can, you know, that's yeah. something anybody can, can figure out. So, yeah. I thought that was an interesting way to kind of show how in the long run, they see that they can can't that, ask this of her. Yeah, her I mean, obviously there there's a real irony in the fact that uh, that Ruby's talent is singing, and her parents are are are, <laughs> are deaf and can't appreciate right. can't appreciate that, right? Or at least can't appreciate it in the way that the uh, uh, that it's meant sort of meant to be appreciated. But that scene in uh, particular sort of sort of uh, shows them being able to appreciate it 
at least secondhand and being able to understand that, oh, wait, she really uh th- this is more uh, this is more than a hobby she she really is talented at this she can right right people. right um at the same time there is something lonely about it that 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 um they are left out of this right sure that they're not going to be able to appreciate appreciate this at least not in the way that uh uh that that hearing people can right um so um yeah, they've they've sort of created their own bubble that they live in and uh you know right. the, the movie right. says that they don't socialize with you know right I mean, how do you it, right well you know. well like with uh the uh the uh sound of metal uh the movie uh that we watched last year right um the uh there's a much more casual presentation of them not just being deaf but being part of of deaf culture right of them not seeing deafness as a disability right and and, and uh thinking that there's nothing that they can't you know uh they can't do just because of their uh, uh, their deafness, right? Um, you know the the brother in the family. I, f- I forget his name. Uh, um, he uh, he is uh, his name is Leo. You know he ends up making a great uh, played by Daniel Durant. He ends up making a great point that you know the news coverage they're relying on Ruby to translate mm-hmm. when actually they should be doing their job and finding a way to communicate with these people. Right, right. You know that's it's and it's and it's going to be their job going forward to just find another way. Right. Um, one of the, I, I was reading about this, and one of the objections that has come from the deaf community about this, I, soft objections, I think it's gone over well, but w- one of the, the issues that has come up is that uh, the way in which this presents this family is being so dependent on the hearing member to sort of translate everything, right? Right. And, and what's interesting about that is I, I don't take that as a commentary on deaf people generally. I just think that this particular family has gotten very complacent and lazy about uh, and taken for granted the fact that Ruby is always going to be there for them. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a skill they kind of had in their pocket, right? It's part of that family. Yeah. And that that this family is going to uh, this family is not coming apart because she's leaving, but this family is going to have to change. Right. Uh, they're going to have to do things. Uh, they're going to figure out what they're going to do without her. And that's not going to be the end of the world. Um, in fact, there might be lots of options. They just haven't pursued those yeah, options. They, so yeah, absolutely. Because, because where else would she be going aside from getting up every morning to go, to go fishing? Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, we should say something about Amelia Jones, uh, who plays as uh, a British actress who plays, uh, who plays Ruby. Um, to the credit of the movie, I think uh, they don't, uh, especially since she's British, they don't try a Gloucester accent. Uh, <laughs> they don't try to make her, uh, make her uh, give her sort of a, a clam chata accent. Right. And that's good. Uh, she, I, I didn't notice that until the end uh, that like, oh yeah, she's until I looked it up and like, oh, she's British. Okay. So, well, maybe. but they mentioned her having the, uh, the accent of a deaf person at the, in the uh, movie, yeah, so. that, that's a good point. So right. she would have yeah, never yeah. Right, developed yeah. it anyway. That, that's yeah. 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 Um, so we must say though, that she, uh, she did her own singing in this and she has a, uh, a beautiful voice. Yeah. It's very interesting. And, uh, the, uh, her musical talent, her voice, her vocal talent is, is used to, uh, to great, uh, uh, to great effect in this movie. Uh, she, she works with a, a, uh, a really passionate sort of eccentric, uh, uh, music teacher who digs over, uh, the scenes with them with, uh, where he's trying to evoke 
uh, the create uh, the creative voice out of her that anybody with a nice with a nice voice can just sort of sing a few bars of Happy Birthday, but he's trying to push her and get her to the point where no, she's really giving a performance, and the the right. back and forth between that where he's kind of agitating her and get and and coming at her, um, and her ability to sing, um, sing casually, sing sort of defensively, and then finally find. A a, uh, a a authentic fa- sound, uh, you know, authentic engaged, uh, engaging right. uh, uh, vocal performance um, is just really, really well done. Um, yeah, it, it is pretty well done, and it, and it could have fallen into cliche pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, is there so much in this? Movie she has a, um, you know, I mean, she's got a raw quality about her because she's a newcomer to singing in any kind of organized way. Uh-huh. So you know, that's part of the part of the story too, I guess, and that that it's all in there together with it. I I really I really adore this movie. Um, Not only did I adore this movie, like I said, I I mean, so so often I adore a movie, uh, you know, like Nomadland or Pig or or a movie like right. And and I I hesitate to sort of uh, recommend those movies because those movies are not necessarily for everybody, and they're not necessarily an easy Saturday night. But uh, this is this is a movie everybody should see. Yeah, I, I really think this has really broad appeal. Really accessible. Yeah, it's yeah, really accessible. So. It has really broad appeal. It's 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 very very entertaining. Uh, see this movie right away. I'm not going to argue with you. Let's see here. I'm trying to look through my notes. See if there's anything else worth mentioning. Oh, in the movie, uh, <laughs> Ruby has a Fisher Price record player. <laughs> and uh, that was my entry level into uh, playing record. Well, a lot of my mom's old records got uh, playtime on a Fisher Price record player, so that kind of warmed the heart a little bit. Mm-hmm. Str- a little bit of a strange uh, soundtrack in this movie. Some of the the musical choices were kind of strange. I thought. Yeah, her father is a uh, big into rap, rap music, because <laughs> he uh, he likes the beat. You, you can know. feel it. Yeah, you can feel it. Right. So, uh, um, wonderful movie. Uh, the director here is Cian, uh, Cian Hader, uh, who's an American director. Uh, this is their second movie. Um, and boy, do I look forward to, uh, to, uh, future work from her. Um, this is, uh, this is a home run. Yep. I like this a lot. Not much else I can say about it. All right. Well, let's, uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. All right, we're back on Cinema Spin for our randomly chosen movie. The randomly chosen movie. All right, I'll just get right into it. My Left Foot is a 1989 film directed by Jim Sheridan. My Left Foot is based on the memoir of the same title by Christy Brown. The film tells the tale of Christy Brown and his Dublin, Ireland upbringing, which was rather complicated by the fact that he was born with a severe form of cerebral palsy. Brown was raised by mostly supportive parents alongside a gaggle of brothers and sisters (laughs) who seemed not to have a grasp on his actual condition. Contrary to what the family believed, inside that body he struggled to control was a person, someone who had normal thoughts and feelings but lacked the ability to express them due to his affliction. Slowly the family learns that there is intelligence inside of Christie, and the family celebrates this revelation. As Christie grows up, we see as he struggles to be heard, but through genuine determination, develops skills that will allow him to better participate in the world around them. My Left Foot was the proverbial darling of the Oscars for 1989, as Daniel Day-Lewis won for Best Actor. He won the Best Actor Academy Award for, for playing Christy Brown. Brenda Fricker also won for Best Supporting Actress for portraying Brown's mother, Bridget, in the film. Although it did not win them, the movie was also nominated for the, most of the other major Academy Awards. 
Does this movie still hold up those kind of accolades after nearly 35 years? That is the question I pose to my fine co-host, Jason. Wait, that's me. <laughs> um, so what we have with my left foot is we have a movie that's based, that's uh, built around a uh, central performance, central performance from Daniel Day Lewis um, as Christy Brown. Um, and uh, how, uh, and I mean, he's, in virtually every frame of this movie. So this is, this is entirely his movie. Um, and, uh, it, well, except for the flashbacks, right? I should say. Um, and so, uh, how you take his performance is going to determine, um, how, uh, what you really think of this movie. And I think that performance, um, in 1989, uh, was taken as, uh, as ingenious and and uh and uh and entirely brave right um daniel day lewis is, is totally committed um absolutely famously committed i mean <laughs> i should say infamously committed uh you know uh uh he uh uh, uh rather infamously uh stayed in character the whole time to the point that uh that he uh, was in a wheelchair and and crew members had to sort of care had to carry him around the set Right. Uh, much to the chagrin of, you know, the grips. Right. Right. Um, so uh, he is he is committed all the way. Um, he is uh, totally, utterly convincing in this role. The hesitation that I have looking back on this now from a 2022 perspective is uh, the uh, to point out the obvious. Daniel Day Lewis is an able bodied uh, uh, actor. Um Cerebral palsy is a an affliction of the body, not of the mind. Uh, there surely um, were uh, character were actors with cerebral palsy um, that would have been more than happy to uh, to play this role. I think obviously it goes without saying if this movie were made in two thousand twenty two, um, you would have to have uh, a, an actor with cerebral palsy uh, playing this character. Um, and so, uh, I don't know, with that modern sensibility in mind, uh, looking back on it, and I know we chafe a little bit at sort of applying modern standards retroactively to movies like this from, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. But at the same time, it does sort of uh, make me look at his performance and wonder to what degree it's an... It, it's an imitation or, or an impression of how different it is from how, how different is it from what Edward Norton does in the movie, the score, which we looked at earlier this year. Right. Last year. Yes. Right. Um, it's not, it's in a more serious movie. It's a much more serious movie, but, but does that make it a better portrayal by through modern eyes? I don't know. Yeah. So I, I really struggle with that now. Now to Daniel day Lewis's credit, um, I mean, his commitment is such that eventually you kind of forget about that, right? I mean, he re he really <laughs> yeah. does seem like he has cerebral palsy, sure. right? Um, and and uh, the the so the imitation, as it were, is is utterly flawless. Um, and so uh, from uh, from there, uh, so we're 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 left to sort of judge uh, to what degree um, this movie works as drama, to what degree we were in some learn something about Christy Brown. Um, aside from this being a showcase for that central performance, which is problematic in its way, um, I don't know that there's much, that much more to this movie. Um, 
the dynamic with the giant family, as it turns <laughs> out, Christy Brown's mother had 22 children, seven, like 13 of them lived into uh, uh, adulthood, right? So, boy, that is an Irish Catholic family, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so even from a young age, he's sharing, uh, sharing not just a room, but a bed with, you know, three of his brothers or whatever, right? <laughs> yes, right, which is enough to make anybody, you know, lose the will to live. Um, so, I mean, the dynamic of the, of, of, uh, the family is interesting. The way in which Christy Brown is able to, uh, insinuate his personality into, and, and become part of the community. They show him sort of kind of playing soccer mm-hmm. in a cart with some of his friends, uh, with some of his, his buddies. Uh, that's, that's all interesting. But, um, in terms of the bottom line is he becomes this celebrated writer and the celebrated artist. And I don't know that this movie has a whole has much of anything to say about his sort of creative process, except that he can use his left foot to to paint pictures, right? Yeah. My main note is this is a film with with a number of great moments in it. Yeah, and it's got some obviously great performances. Um, but does that add up to a great movie? I don't. I don't think it really does. Yeah, I mean, again, there is a certain kind of. There's a certain kind of Oscar-y movie that is uh, just a showcase for for a great mm-hmm. performance, and boy, I think this is this a, this does lean this more toward example. toward that. Yeah, um, there's not a great narrative flow here either. It's like just one scene after another. Um, yeah, and then you flash forward a couple times. Well, I mean, this you know, it's it's a biopic. You know, it's it, and this faces the same problem as all biopics is that it it uh, because it's story of a person's life. There's not a there's not a great, you know, dramatic arc that you associate with fiction. And so it turns out to be a sort right. of a series of anecdotes, right? Um, and some of them are just a little more interesting and captivating than others. Um, Let's go back to your first premise about the problematic nature of this. Mm-hmm. Here's a question I have, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's differences in severity of cerebral palsy. Right. <laughs> Maybe somebody with the most severe kind might not be capable of a performance. Yeah. If you have somebody who's has a lesser version of cerebral palsy playing somebody with a greater version, is that necessarily better than having somebody without it at all? That's a really good question. And as able-bodied people, I don't think we should be talking about this. Well, I mean, I think it's that, that may be fair that that's yeah, yeah, for yeah. somebody else to decide. Well, right, right, right. But but yeah. But but I mean, I, I could see like sex de- sex developing, you know, mm-hmm. with a T at the end. I, I know I'm probably uh, yeah. sects. Yeah. Right. Um. So, uh, de- factions. Yes. Right, yes factions, right, if yes. you will. Um. I could see that developing, and um, they're saying, well, somebody would say, well, it's not fair that. You know, this person who has a much easier go. I mean, that's. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of. Um, yeah, I think it's a it would be a step in the right direction. Uh, you know, uh, the the actor. God, his name escapes me. But the actor who played uh, uh, Walt Jr. in uh, in uh, on uh, Breaking Bad. Right. Cerebral palsy. Right? Yeah. And, um, and it does raise a question. I mean, uh, is it OK? Would it be OK for him? Yeah, that, who, that's that's my who's question. mostly functional. Right. right. You know. Um, you know, phys- to, physically to play functional. someone who's more handicapped than they are. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> In the end, is there much difference? Yeah, it's I, not, I, I, I mean, yeah. somebody um, would have to determine the answer right, to that. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm reminded. I was reading recently about uh, a movie that came out earlier this year called Music, uh, which was written and directed by the uh, the uh, 
uh, singer songwriter Sia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this movie, uh, it, it's about a, uh, um, a, a nonverbal autistic girl, right? And this movie got absolutely excoriated um, at every level uh, by everybody who saw it. It's apparently bad filmmaking. The music isn't good. But most of all, the, uh, 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 the um, autistic community, right, the, the neurodivergent community um, pointed out that, well, what you have here is you have a young girl who doesn't have autism isn't even on, you know, it's nowhere on the right. spectrum, um, you know, prese- uh, playing autistic, right, in this way that seems very ableist, you know, sort of Sia's imagination of what it's like to be uh, uh, to be autistic when there are plenty of people who might sort of explain to her, you know, yeah, I mean, um, what it might be to be autistic. You, know, I, you remember a few years ago, well, it's been a while now, but there was uh, a series uh, on maybe Showtime or HBO called Temple Grandin. Uh, about Temple Grandin, yeah. yeah uh-huh. um, Claire Danes played the role. Yes, um, right. You know, is is that stuff? <laughs> is that okay? Uh, is it okay if Temple Grandin herself uh, gives the approval? Right. Yeah. Um, that's well, the, question. the point being that you know when I I'm reading some of this uh, criticism of, of of Sia's choice here not to cast a uh, 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 an autistic uh, girl in this role. And I'm thinking to myself, well, for all the other fault, I haven't seen this movie. This movie might be ter- is probably terrible, I assume, and for lots of reasons. But it's not hard to imagine why Sia or any director might not want to cast an auti- you know, somebody with serious, uh, severe autism, right. in an acting role, right? Um, it's all you know, acting is already a uh, complicated enough issue, right? So, um. The uh, so uh, translating that to this, um, you know, it, it, it's not hard to imagine why it is that, that maybe for uh, practical purposes you might want to you might not want to cast somebody who has uh, cerebral palsy as seriously as the character does. You know, I, I just I think it's sort of an interesting modern question to mm-hmm. talk about. Yeah, you yeah, know, it, I mean, it definitely is. I mean, we wouldn't would we say. Um, that uh, a male shouldn't play a female in a movie. Um, I think we definitely should say that. Uh, yes, I, I think we definitely. I mean, we, we had uh, Kate de- Blanchett play B- uh, Bob Dylan in a movie a couple years ago. What, what the hell uh, is that called? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was uh, I'm not there. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's okay. I uh, for stylistic reasons. Um, what you what you absolutely can't have is you can't have any more. Um, a. Uh, 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 straight person a a, a uh, non-transgender person play you know sure, you know, a sure. male actor play a transgender woman mm-hmm. right um or a transgender man for that in, for, right. for that matter right you have to you know um and now it's reasonable to ask uh you know especially when we're parsing these very uh, uh these rules we're asking well how uh, you know if you're going to play a character with severe cerebral palsy how severe does the actor's cerebral palsy I mean, that's be? my question right. well right and and who makes these rules and the answer is nobody yeah i'm right? not saying i i have the um, answer or i really yeah, have an opinion no, on no. it just... uh, well and and i think the industry doesn't have the answers i think the industry is making this up as they go along and kind of just sort of checking twitter once in a while you know this <laughs> is what, you know what um, twitter makes of their casting my, my left foot is 89 which is only a few years removed from something as offensive as soul band Soul Man? Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's... it's. <laughs> well, 
blackface. I think is it. <laughs> we, we all agree that's that's <laughs> yes. probably not a great yes, idea, right? But um, you know, I mean, you think you're talking about the same era, so I'm sure they never considered. Oh no, should... no, no, no! At, at at the time, this was yeah, yeah. this was uh, not even a consideration. Um, so, uh, yeah. but you know, but I mean, it's like. <laughs> In the end, we are talking about the act of acting, and it is portraying somebody that is not you. Yes. By definition. Right. So, um, it's somewhat problematic to put limitations on that. Yeah. I mean, the the counter argument. I mean, I mean, is it is it? Uh, can I not play an asshole now? Because I really don't. I've never lived in an asshole's shoes. I mean, maybe right. I have. You but don't. You don't suffer. <laughs> maybe from personally, Matt Ulrich has, but <laughs> you don't suffer from chronic asshole. Disease. Right. Right. It's, um. Yeah. I, I think the argument is more along the lines of this, that, uh, you know, when, when just stick with the, the current example, when Daniel Day-Lewis plays somebody with severe cerebral palsy, um, he's taking a role away from some, from an actor with cerebral palsy who, um, can't exactly play Daniel Plainview or one of the other, you know, can't True. exactly go out for other roles that, that, uh, that, uh um, and so, um, the, as much as possible, but those rules. Let should me ask. Let yeah. me take it a step forward and ask you this question: mm-hmm. If the answer to this question ends up being, well, because it's problematic, we just won't make movies about these people anymore. Yeah, is that a good solution either? I mean, uh, that's well. I think that's a great question. With when regard- I say these people, I, I, I mean you know people I, that it's not easy to portray those people. <laughs> no, I, I want, and that's a great question with regard to Milo Foot. Is that um, you know if if. Jim Sheridan and, and and his producers had had a modern sensibility and said, no, we need to go out and find a, an actor, a, a, some obscure actor with cerebral palsy to play this role. I mean, this movie wouldn't have gotten made, right? This movie, right. This Somebody movie, would say, it's just too hard. Yeah. Well, and 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 you need elements. You need a, a, a named actor to sort to sort of draw in. Right. It's going to be uh, kind of the um... to, to put it together. I mean, the the nature of producing a movie means you have to sign this act, you, a big, you know, a, a named actor to play a certain role, and then that that gets the ball rolling. And right? there are people who put money forward in hopes of making money on every level of movie. Yeah. Making. Well, and and then it does raise the question for, uh, you know, the cerebral palsy community. Like, well, what are what's a better world? A world where Daniel Day Lewis plays Christy Brown in My Left Foot, or a world where there is no My Left Foot, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's a, um, and I and I don't know the answer to that one. I don't I, either. I, I it's not for, not probably not for us to determine. I guess. Right. But, yes. Uh, I, I, it's an interesting. Yes. Thing. I, yes. I, so. Yeah. Um, I didn't buy. This is not a fun movie to watch by any stretch of the imagination. No. Um. There's some scenes that are hard to watch because it's just. And it's not it's not his affliction. It's the fact that his character gets pretty ugly in some cases. Yeah, his well, and that's that's one of the inter- the good things about uh, I, I think one of the uh, daring and, and interesting things about the, the uh, that character is uh, Christy Brown is not presented as as a, a sweet, lovable guy. Yeah, just because he has this it doesn't make him a perfect. He's person. not a saint, right? right? In the same way that we talked earlier about how there's this ten, you know, with with. Uh, Marley Matlin in the in in Coda, there's this tendency to make the disabled be these sort of long suffer, suffering right. virtuous saints. You know, um, Christy Brown in this movie is not that that guy. No, he isn't. He's um, um, he struggles with a lot. Obviously, he struggles with a huge amount, but he's very abusive to the people around him, and he's very uh, uh, he really lets his emotions, his uglier emotions, fly. 
Well, yeah, and I, I mean, some of that is, I think, somewhat excusable in just just the effort it takes him to do everything. Yes, you know, and, and, and we're shown one of the things that make this movie hard is that every little thing that he does takes so much effort. <laughs> yeah, and that's to, to Jim Sheridan, the director's. Uh, 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 to it's a compliment to him that he he puts it really puts us in how much he takes the time he to takes do the it time too. Yeah. to show us the, how, the scene when when the little boy goes downstairs to check on his mom probably for the first time on his own yeah when he's just gotta you know basically claw his way down the stairs and it's right. just the relentlessness about it is is right what's, yeah it's it's pretty amazing yeah um, uh, yeah there's moments in this where I thought. Yeah, this is a great moment, but I just didn't think it added up to a great movie. And maybe it never did. I mean, it didn't win Best Picture, right? It, it just got nominated. Mm-hmm. So maybe some of these flaws were seen, you know, back then. Yeah. I I do want to compliment this movie, though, for um, despite the fact that it's a, it's a biopic and therefore um, it has... It consists mostly of these, these anecdotes. Um, there is a bit of a character arc for him. He starts out as this um, a very sort of resentful kind of charity case right um and sort of bit by bit he begins to assert himself sometimes to his detriment because the 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 personality is asserting sometimes is quite obnoxious right right but eventually he he does kind of bit by bit sort of uh achieve this position of kind of a a, of a self-possessed artist um well i mean you uh, think talking yeah speaking to his demeanor you know i mean you think about how the average person is when they're really under a lot of stress and really put to the test. It's not our best moments sometimes. And Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, he's got a lot just to get through a day. Um, yes. So that, you know. Yeah. Until you walk a mile in those shoes, I guess it's easy to, to, to cast aspersions at it. But yes. Uh, uh, yeah, he does. There's some scenes that are just the one in the, in the you know, the, the restaurant is particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly where, ugly. Where, yes. Right. Where he, where, uh, Kind of throws a fit because a a, a woman that he uh, that has been working with him sort of as a, uh, a teacher, um, she's marrying someone else. Maybe for the first time, he feels kind of unbridled jealousy and has no idea how to deal with it. Yeah, right. So, um, so a couple more things. Uh, most of this movie belongs, of course, to Daniel Day Lewis, but uh, in flashbacks, he's played by uh, Hugh O'Connor uh, as a young man. And uh, that kid does an extraordinary job. He does. I um, have yeah. wrote it down myself. Yeah. He... I wonder what came first. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis's performance, or Hugh? You're Henry's? right. Yeah, yeah. I just. Um, so uh, it, it's a, it's sort of a shame that uh, uh, Hugh O'Connor didn't get uh, some uh, some Oscar buzz, right? Because uh, what a what a fantastic performance. No, I totally agree. Finally, boy, the Irish know how to have a bar fight. There is a windows are not safe. No, there's one of the best bar fights in this movie. <laughs> um, in, in the annals of 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 uh, of movie bar fights, uh, this this one takes the cake. Right. First of all, it starts out with uh, uh, Christy Brown. Um, you know, this guy sort of. Ki- uh, it's right after the father dies, and oh, then somebody at the bar insults the father, and, and Christy Brown conf- confronts him, right? And the guy's like, what are you going to do? And kicks the stein right out of his hand, right? And then very quickly, it descends into old lady punching old lady, right? <laughs> like, Sides were quickly chosen in that yes, bar fight. Yes. So, uh, yeah, this... Uh, 
I mean, this is everything you would think an uh, a bar fight in Dublin would be like. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, I dug that scene. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same thoughts. All right, let's look towards our next episode, which will feature a new movie again. I hate to beat the dead horse again. We do not exactly know what it's going to be yet. We do not know what the next new movie is going to be, but we are about to find out. We're about to find out what the random movie is. Random movie is. The Fickle Finger of Fate. All right, we've got... 1965's The Cincinnati Kid. Oh, The Cincinnati Kid with Steve McQueen. Yeah, that's a card-playing movie? Uh, yes, I think he's a poker player in that. Interesting. And I bet he's cool. Well. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, I bet that Steve McQueen is he cool. He accidentally exudes cool sometimes. Right. Right. Yep. Depending on the movie. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah, even through a turtleneck. <laughs> yes, especially through a turtleneck. <laughs> So that'll be the show. A movie to be named later and The Cincinnati Kid. So tune in next week and we'll be right back at you with a brand new episode. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, everybody.